Welcome to today's audio podcast, a sermon teaching from Grace Bible Church of Akron. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of GBC and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at gbcakron.org. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at That's I-N-F-O at gbcakron.org. Also, if you would like to support Grace Bible Church, you may do so by visiting gbcakron.org forward slash giving. Thank you for listening and enjoy the podcast. Well, good morning. Thank you again for being here today and for joining us in the room, joining us online. We are very much uh, appreciate you being here with us. We started a new sermon series last week called Throwback, and uh, we're looking at some old truths, and we're trying to determine if they're still relevant today or not. Do they still matter? It's kind of like, you remember uh, when I was growing up, uh, you know, there used to be records. You know what records are, right? And then it moved to V8 track, you know, the V, the eight track. Yeah, V8. Where was that? The eight track. I was thinking of the drink. The eight track. You know, and, and then you went to cassette tapes, then you went to CD, now we just stream. Guess what's come back? Records. Vinyl records have come back. I don't know what that all about. It's kind of, you know, it still finds itself being relevant today. And God's Word is meant to be like that. It's meant to be these old truths, throwback truths, so to speak, that are still relevant today in our world and in our lives. One of the things that uh, I came across, and you've probably heard this before, someone was talking about prayer, and they said that prayer doesn't change God, it changes the one who's praying. And that's very true, but for a lot of people, it doesn't feel like that. A lot of people, that's not their experience when they pray. Their experience is more like a, a little boy that I read about named Johnny, and Johnny was misbehaving with his mom, and she got real upset with him and sent him to his room. After being there for a while, he came out of his room, and he said, Mom, I want you to know that I prayed while I was in there. And his mother looked at him and said, Well, Johnny, that makes me feel better that you're asking God to help you with your bad behavior. If you ask God to help you with that, He will. And Johnny said, oh, mom, I didn't pray for that. I prayed for God to help you. (laughs) And uh, that's kind of how a lot of us pray. A lot of us, if we're not careful, we end up praying, asking God to change things around us instead of changing us. God, open this door. God, change that person. Lord, take that person home. We, We have all kinds of prayers that we pray Asking God to do something around us as opposed to asking God to do something in us. And this morning, as we continue to dig into Ephesians, in this first chapter, Paul, he shares a prayer that he is praying for the people at Ephesus. And this prayer, it's not a prayer to change his circumstances. It's not a prayer that's a model for us to use to 
if we, if we need God to act in our life or to change something in our life, it's, it's not that kind of prayer. Paul wrote this prayer from prison. And he could have said, hey guys, why won't you pray for me? Pray for my release, pray for my lawyer, pray for whatever. He could have, he could have asked for a lot of prayer. But that's not what he did. He said, this is what I'm praying for you. And I hope that you'll begin to pray this for yourselves. Last week we talked about what God has done for us. Those of us who become followers of Jesus, there are some privileges that take place immediately the moment we start following Jesus. And now Paul turns and he says, now I'm going to pray that you understand those privileges. I'm going to pray that you understand what you have in Christ. And before he gets to the prayer, look at what he says in Ephesians chapter 1. He says, for this reason, he's talking about since they have a new identity in Christ. We talked about that last week, but anytime, anytime someone follows Jesus Christ and place their faith in him, they have a new identity in Christ. And for this reason, Ever since I heard about your faith, this is interesting. He said, ever since I've heard about your faith, faith refers to the relationship that we have with God. It's our vertical relationship that we have with him. So he says, I've heard about your faith that you have in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. So Paul says, I've heard about your faith, the fact that, that you have this vertical relationship with the Lord, Jesus Christ, but I've also heard about your love, these horizontal relationships that you have with other people, that you have faith in God and you're loving others. And in a nutshell, that is the Christian life. In a nutshell, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It means that we have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and we have a relationship that goes this way but that we also have love for the people around us. And so we enter into these relationships that that are horizontal in nature. But Paul says, I've heard about these things, but he says, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And it's almost Paul is setting the stage and he's saying, listen, I've heard that you, that you have faith in God. I've, I've heard that you love other people. But there is so much more to the Christian life than that. I mean, that's where it starts. And that is, that is what, that's the premise of everything that we do. Those of us who are following Christ are trying to follow Christ. But that's, that's not all of it. That's not it. And this prayer begins to reveal what's involved. What is it that we have in Christ that Paul wants us to understand? And so Paul begins his prayer. Look at what he says. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. So immediately, Paul prays for three things. First of all, he prays for wisdom. What is wisdom? Wisdom is the ability to perceive reality accurately. You see, our world is full of lies. I'm not just talking about the fake news. I'm talking about our our world is full of lies. That, That 
vie for our attention. And if we begin to believe that a lie is the truth, and we begin to follow that lie, then our lives are aimed at the wrong targets. And Paul says, I pray that you have wisdom. I, have pray that, I pray that you understand what's going on in the world so that you may know the truth and believe the truth and follow the truth. God gives us a perspective to view reality properly so that when things are happening in our life, we have the wisdom to know what our life should still be aimed for in the midst of obstacles, challenges, setbacks, failures, sins. God's wisdom would still be available to you and I so that we don't lose our way in the midst of all these things that may be happening in life. Paul says, I pray you have that. Through the chaos of the pandemic, did you lose focus of what was really important? I mean, were we able to, to keep our attention and our focus on the things of the Lord and what He's called us to do, the people that He's asked us to be, the way that He's asked us to live our lives? Where did God's wisdom guide you through the chaos of that? Or did you get lost in the chaos? Paul is saying God's wisdom, for those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ, that, that God's wisdom is in us. He's praying, I, I pray that you have more of that wisdom so that when chaos happens in life, we don't become rudderless being tossed around back and forth by the waves of the problems of this world. Now that the pandemic appears to be coming to an end and life's getting back to normal, things are opening up, are we going to be able to keep the wisdom of God? Are we going to be able to keep a proper perception of reality and what's going on and following the truths that we know come from the Lord Jesus Christ? Or will we become hyper-selfish? Because, you know, I didn't get to do that last year, so I'm going to do it this year. I don't care what responsibilities I shake off. I don't care what commitments I don't keep. I didn't get to do that last year, so I'm doing it this year. I don't care who it hurts. That's the hyper-selfishness we're getting ready to go into. Or will we have more of God's wisdom? Keep us anchored so that we can see what's really happening in the world. He prays that they would have more revelation. Revelation is God showing us Himself in our circumstances. I, I did something kind of fun a couple of weeks ago. I got on Facebook and I put out this question on Facebook. I said, uh, so I'm, I'm working on a sermon and would like your help. In one or two sentences, tell me how you have seen God recently in your world. See, not everybody sees God in their world. See, you and I, that if you're sitting here and you go to church all the time, you've been a believer a long time, you read your Bible, you pray, 
you know, chances are you think, well, sure, I see God kind of frequently in my life. And then there's other people that they come along and they're like, well, I, I may have seen God occasionally once or twice. I don't know. I had a funny feeling. Was that God? I had the hair stand up on the back of my neck and on my arms. Was that God? It felt kind of special. And then you've got other people in the world that's like, I don't ever see God. I never see him. And so I ask people, I, so first of all, people don't follow instructions on Facebook. Because I said, tell me in one or two sentences. And people wrote me books. I mean, I was like, you should put that in a book. That's a really good story. You should share that with more people. I just wanted the Cliff Notes version, you know. A lot of people don't even know what Cliff Notes are anymore, but some of you do. But you know what? I, there was a lot of people that responded to this. I just want to share some of them with you. Shannon said, when, when, when she was asking, uh, when I asked her, how do you see God in your world? She said, uh, he led me directly to a near-perfect job after being given 30 days notice. Kay said, he has given me and my mother another chance to rekindle our relationship. Katie said, I'm constantly in awe of how he orchestrates my busiest days to go smoothly, even when unplanned tasks show up. Kevin said he saw the Lord walking with a grieving family. His presence was evident even in the shadow of death. Paige said, I see him work in my personal life even though I'm not where I need to be with him. But he still shows me that he is by my side and cares for me. Michelle said, the Lord's opening doors for me to share Jesus with a friend and his children. Brad said, through a co-worker's battle with cancer. And I could go on and on. And we might look at those things and say, but those things happen to everybody, and they do. Those things happen to everybody, but not everybody sees God in those things. And Paul is saying, I'm praying that not only you have wisdom to keep you grounded, but that God reveals himself to you in your circumstances. Folks, that's already available to us. When's the last time, instead of asking God to change a circumstance, you prayed and said, God revealed me to reveal yourself to me in this circumstance? See the difference? That's what Paul is saying. Paul is saying, don't, don't pray for something to change. Pray for God to open your eyes so that you can see him where you are. That's what it means to experience God's revelation, to see God in our lives. So he says, I'm praying that you'll have wisdom. I'm praying that you'll have revelation. He's saying, I'm praying for the relationship with Christ to remain relevant and vibrant. Listen to me carefully. Our walk with Christ for it to remain vibrant, for it to remain relevant. We need to stay grounded in reality, the truth in reality, and at the same time see God in our life. See Him working, see Him moving, seeing Him doing something. When we are focused on the truth, and when we are seeing God in our world, then the relationship that we have with Christ well, it's real. It's not just pie in the sky. It's not just something I believe in but I don't experience. It becomes both. We believe in it and we experience it at the same time. 
Paul says, I'm praying you have that. I'm praying you experience that. That you encounter God's wisdom. That you encounter the revelation of God so that your relationship with Christ will remain vibrant and relevant. See, there's a lot of people who said they couldn't see God in the pandemic. Now there's a lot of people saying they can't see God outside of it. He was in both. But only those who have wisdom and revelation can maintain that vibrant relationship no matter what's going on in the world. Paul goes on to pray. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. That word heart, he's talking about your inner self. He's not actually talking about that muscle that's pumping blood. He's talking about the inner self. He's talking about our emotions, our motivations, our thinking. He's talking about the the gears inside of us that direct us into the choices that we make. Why do we do what we do? What's well, a combination of our motivations, our emotions, our values, these things that are inside of us. It's a combination of those things that ultimately lead to this is why I made this choice. Paul is saying that part of us that the eyes of that part of us would be enlightened. He's praying for the inner person to have 20-20 vision for two reasons. Look at, what he's, look at what he says. First of all, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. What has Christ called you to? And what is the hope that you and I have in that calling? Look, I brought something up here with me this morning. I, I was going to bring a $100 bill. I didn't have one. But I did have a 20 So let, let me use this $20 bill as an illustration uh, for us this morning as it relates to the hope of what God has called us. Because here's what happens. For, for, for our hope to, to remain intact, we must be confident that our past has meaning, our present has purpose, and our future has aim. Is Jesus big enough to use your past to call you to a greater hope? Is he big enough to use the limitations of our current circumstances to call us to a hope of something better? Is he big enough that the goals, the future that we believe we're going to have is a future that answers that calling that he has for us. And see, what happens to us many times is, is we think things happen to us in life that limit our opportunities or even take away opportunities for God to do something great. So using this $20 bill as an example, this $20 bill, when it came into my possession, I have no idea what its past was like. It could have been used to buy drugs. It could have been used to do various illegal activities. It could have been used in very selfish, unhealthy ways. I have no idea about the past of this $20 bill. But I know that whatever its past was, 
no matter how crooked, no matter how evil, no matter how dirty, it is still worth $20. No matter how bad that past, it is not devalued. Did you know that I could take this $20 bill and I could crumple, I could crumple it up? And it would be full of wrinkles and look really old. But it doesn't matter. It's still worth $20. Do you know I could rip this $20 bill in half, mail the pieces to the treasury department, and they would send me back a brand new $20 bill? Even if it was ripped into pieces, as long as you return all the pieces, you get a new bill. I had a friend in California who left a wad of cash laying on his couch, and his big dog ate it. And for the next several days, he was collecting poop out in the yard. And he sent all of those pieces to the U.S. Treasury Department. They put it together and sent him back everything that he lost when his dog... Can you believe that? Because there is nothing, there is nothing that devalues this, irregardless of its past. It cannot be devalued. Can I tell you in Christ, that is exactly the truth of your past? There's nothing that devalues you. I don't care how broken you think you are. I don't care what kind of mistakes you think you've made. When this $20 bill came into my possession, it fell into, into, into the hands of a new owner. And I'll do good with it, okay? I'll do something responsible with it. I'll use it as it was intended to be used. Do you think Jesus Christ would do any less with you? He will do something good with you. That's the hope to which He has called us. Our past explains us it does not define us don't you dare think that Christ can't do something with you you might be looking at yourself and saying well my past is not the problem it's my present it's the habits I have right now it's the problems I'm I'm encountering right now it's the limitation. Maybe it's a health limitation. Maybe it's a career limitation. Maybe there's some kind of limitation in your life. And you want to be and do so much more. But you just can't because of these limitations. And, and if, if you were free from those limitations, then you could free yourself up to do something for the Lord. Really, that's not how Christ works. Christ takes us where we are in our current situation, in our current circumstances, and He uses us for good right there. If we will release ourselves and allow ourselves to be used, the future, who knows how this $20 bill could be used for good in the future? Who knows what could happen with it? That's the same with you and I when we come into Christ. Our past has meaning, our present has purpose, our future has has aim. That is the hope to which he has called us. And Paul is saying, I'm praying that the eyes of your inner self, the eyes of your heart, will see that. That you inside will confidently know Christ is doing something with me. 
He goes on to pray. He says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his incomparably. That word incomparably, it means record-breaking. That's what that word means, record. His incomparably great. That word great means mega, enormous. And then he says power, which means explosive. So he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know his record-breaking, mega, enormous, explosive power for us who believe. He says, I pray you'll know that. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. As Paul says that we can be confident, first, that our past has meaning, our present has purpose, our future has aim. But secondly, he says that we can be certain Christ's power is transforming us. Listen to me carefully. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ and he lives inside of you, the power of Christ is transforming you. It is. It is transforming. Now then, you can work with that or you can work against that. And that will greatly determine the amount of joy you have in life. But when you, when you followed Christ, he placed himself inside of you. And that enormous resurrection power that pulled him from the grave is now inside of you. And it is transforming you. And it's just better to work with it than against it. Amen. You'll be a lot happier. You'll smile more. You'll sleep better at night. You may even have to give up some of your high blood pressure medicine. It may just go away. Because he transforms us. He changes us from the inside out. The Bible teaches us that we are made in the image of God. But without His power in us and working through us, that image remains in the shadows. You won't even be able to see it. Others will not be able to see it. But when we give ourselves to Christ and we receive the grace that he offers us, we come out of the shadows. And, the, and we become, we become the, the image that we bear becomes evident to ourselves and to the people around us. See, this is already in you. You don't have to pray for this. It's already there. You just need to pray to understand what's already there. That's what, that's what Paul is saying. And then people around us begin to see the image of God on us. Why is this 
so important. Because what we are becoming will have way more impact than anything we've ever been or done before. The scriptures are full of these stories. They're full of these stories of people that the power of God transformed them. Uh, for, for those of us that are familiar with the scriptures, you remember King David before he was King David? Before he was King David, he, he was the youngest in his family, forgotten by his father, out. He still smelled like sheep when the prophet showed up and said, you're going to be the next king of Israel. He still smelled like sheep. But God's transforming power was in him, working through him. And he became exactly that, the hope to which he was called. And I could go on and on telling you stories from God's Word of men and women who were no one, but they placed their faith in Christ, and He said, I'm going to do this through you. And their past did not define them. Their present circumstances did not limit them. They became, they were transformed into what God had called them to be and do. And you and I, we look at our lives and we say, well, I'll never be a king. I'll never be important. I'll never be special. Listen to me carefully. Please hear me. The greatness of God in our lives is not found in our wallets or in headlines. And too many times we evaluate success to those two things. If I'm successful at doing something, I must be making money, or people must know about it. And when it comes to the power of God working within us and coming out of us, it has nothing to do with how much money we have or how many people see it. It has to do with how many lives are touched by it. I know a lady right now who's a recent widow. Her husband passed away from a debilitating dementia disease. And she could have very easily let that define the rest of her life. I'm just a widow. I'm just a widow. that's not what she did no she went to her church and she helped start a small group support group for other families who had family members with dementia illnesses she got out of her house and started meeting her neighbors and became really good friends with the Vietnamese couple that just moved in across the street from her now she watches their kids from time to time so mom and dad can go have a date night. She could have just as easily said, I'm just a widow. I'm just a poor widow. God loves me. I know he's going to take care of me and I'm just going to hole up in my house because I'm a widow. She could have done that. And you know what? The rest of us would have looked around and said, oh, poor her. We're going to pray for her. 
And we would. And we would mean all good by it. But that's not what God called her to. Do you see what I'm talking about? Do you see how sometimes we become so wrapped up in our own poor, pitiful circumstances, our poor, pitiful past, and we think, I can't do anything moving forward. I've made too many mistakes. I've got too many limitations. I can't be used of God. That is a lack of wisdom, which was what Paul said we should be praying for. That means we're losing sight of what God has called us to. I can't tell you how many refugees I have met who have every reason in the world to simply throw their hands up in the air and give up, but they don't. And they've been been through horrible tragedy. Horrible tragedy. But they believe God has something better for them. And instead of letting the tragedy define them, they just let it explain them. And they're following the Lord into this hope, this calling that He has given them. I could go on and on. But it all starts with us being able to understand that we need more of God's wisdom. We need more of His revelation so that we can see Him in our life And then we might be able to understand that what makes us tick inside is the hope to which He's called us. So that we might understand the glorious power that is at work within us. Too many of us have never made this connection. And we settle for just being like everybody else. Paying the bills, just making it through life, Always praying, God, just change our circumstances. Lord, let me have that pay raise. Lord, let me, let me obtain that, that degree. Lord, Lord, heal my big toe. Lord, Lord, do. And, and we, never, we never enter into what we already have. And Paul is saying, I'm praying. You grow up a little bit. And you begin to see what you already have and what is already available to you. That our eyes might be open to what God is calling us to do. This is not an easy, feel-good, you know, kind of pat you on the back kind of thing. Folks, this is the Scriptures telling us we either believe what the Scriptures say or we don't. And we look at something like this and say, well, that doesn't apply to me. Or we look at something like this and say, okay, God, I'm tired of playing around. Let's get to work. Lord, open my eyes. Give me wisdom. Give me revelation. 
Lord, reveal to me this hope to which you have called me. Show me how my past means something. Show me how my present means something. Show me how my future, it really does have an aim. It really is going somewhere because you are in me. And you didn't waste your precious blood on the cross when you saved me. I'm not sure people really want to know that. Because it's much safer just to build our 401ks. It's much safer to use all of our excuses to explain why we can't do what we know we should do. And we miss out. And Paul says, I'm, I'm praying you get over that. I'm praying you get over that. And he's urging us to pray the same for ourselves. Let me leave you with a prayer that hopefully can give us a language to pray this into our lives. It says, Father, give me wisdom and revelation so I can know you better. Open the eyes of my heart so I can see the hope you have for me and the power you are using to transform me. I want to work with you, not against you. Cement within my heart the truth that you are powerfully shaping me to live for you regardless of the failures of my past or the limitations of my current circumstances or the uncertainty of my future. Keep before me the purpose you have for my life. When doubt, fear, or frustration come, remind me that you are in control. I ask it in the name of Jesus. I hope that can be your prayer. I hope you can take that, pull that out, use it this week. Pray it more than once. Let it sink in. Let God begin to show you this wonderful life that he's called you to regardless of where you are right now in it. God bless you. Thank you for being at Grace today. Hope you have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.